Well, happy Monday, everyone. And we are so excited to have Maureen Brown, the CEO and co-founder of Mosey Baby on the Dilly Dally podcast. So Maureen, thanks so much for coming on today to share your entrepreneurship story and launching a business. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So Maureen, we'd love to hear more about your career, launching Mosey Baby, but also specifically what it takes to be an entrepreneur, bring a product to market, deal with competition, and how to really build that brand moat. So maybe let's go back to where it started for you. Where, what point of your life did you know you wanted to become an entrepreneur? Was it going into this direction of your career that was the first spark, or was it really a product that you got excited about to then bring you into the world of entrepreneurship? So I think all along, I, I remember being in high school, wanting to have a company or start a company, but really didn't have the opportunity and didn't see how I would do that for a long period of time. Eventually, college, life, all of that stuff went along and met my husband. We got married and just like everybody, eventually we decided to have our own family building journey where it was right for us and we were ready to, we had the conversation, ready to begin that journey and we could not get pregnant. So we tried for a number of years and eventually, this was in 2014, my husband, or actually late 2013 even, I think, my husband came home from a run one day and said, we've gotta create something. We've gotta create, create this product that we're looking for, which was essentially what became Mosey Baby, an at-home insemination syringe kit to help people inseminate at home in the privacy of their own home in a way that is right for, for you and a way that is designed for your body and the specimen you're working with. And so I said, yes, not knowing exactly <laughs> all of what that would entail. And eventually we did it. We mortgaged our home and started our company and designed the first syringe for home insemination and have grown it to a place where we've helped over 100,000 people Amazing. inseminate in the privacy of their own home. Wow. Wow. So how, like, in terms of, like, background and experience and sciences as well as business, do, you, do either of you have a background in science or did you, like, lean in from scientific support or was it really about you have a product, you are the consumer, so you fully understand it. Let's share more about that. Sure. So we are what is called a patient-led company in the sense that we are our first user. And we ourselves do not have the medicalized background, which honestly I think is our advantage. We have the ability to bring people in, like we have a chief medical officer and we have plenty of people around us who have been there, done that. But ultimately, it allowed us to think outside the box. It allowed us to break out of those systems that honestly we see in the medical environment where you get pushed into one very medicalized, sterilized process. And the humanity of creating a family is taken out of it. It's seen as a medical procedure or strictly science-oriented when we all know that there is another element in the process when you are making a baby and making a family. And that's the empathy and love and the dignity that we try to bring 
to our products. So while we are a medical device and while we are following all the regulations and the procedures and keeping it in, in a very organized fashion, building the company, but we also recognize that there's a person here who mm -hmm. is doing something out of love and that needs to be a part of the journey. So we were ourselves not from that background that you often find with so many medical devices and medical products. Oftentimes they're created by not the end user, but the mm. facilitator of the use of that product, which is typically on the medical side, the doctor or the medical professional or the PhD or the scientist who maybe again, isn't the end user creating the product. So that's where our journey began. Amazing. I truly believe it does help in to bring an advantage to you because you are seeing that like empathy and you are the end user, you're understanding it. And it's like that love and you're bringing a new human into the world. It's very different than yeah. other forms of science. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I so should in mention terms too, of, so we, I should also mention, we actually do have the first Mosey baby. So our company Mosey baby has the Mosey baby home insemination kit. And we did end up, our first was the inspiration for the product. And our second is the first Mosey baby. So we went through that IUI process. A lot of people end up in the fertility clinic going through, and we ended up creating the syringe and use that with our second child. So that's a form of intravaginal insemination, just so technically laid out here for people so they understand, because I know some people don't fully understand, which is awesome because I love talking about it. But intravaginal insemination is a form of insemination you can do at home. And intrauterine insemination is oftentimes the first line option for people who either don't have the ability to, maybe they have obstacles to traditional intercourse or they need some sort of alternative. And so that is where we come in and we're able to help people who maybe love somebody who shares the same body parts as them or they're in a same-sex relationship or not same-sex, a heterosexual relationship that is getting tired of uh, timed intercourse or they're looking for an alternative method as well because we do see a lot of people who have back issues or um, painful intercourse or erectile mm -hmm. issues that don't necessarily need an intervention, um, but they do need an option. And so we're here to support them. That's amazing. And so you, you found a solution. You're helping some, and 100,000 babies have been born. That's incredible. Not 100,000 babies, 100, but 100,000 people Sorry. have inseminated. So 100,000 people inseminated. Okay. So yeah. So yeah, we Sorry, get um, some user reported data, but we definitely have thousands upon thousands of babies out there and Amazing. we've received thousands upon thousands of emails alerting us to pregnancy, but we also have to be very mindful of making sure we are transparent about everybody understanding the use of our product and what success might look like for them. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Incredible. So in terms of bringing your product to market and like getting consumers to uh, one, become educated of how to use this to make them aware, how, what was that process? And I think a lot of times that is one of the trickiest parts of entrepreneurship is getting that product in the hand of the consumers and making them generate that organic demand. Yeah. Facebook and online, I guess, meta, Facebook is Instagram and Facebook are under Meta, but Google and TikTok and all of these other platforms don't necessarily have a checkbox for trying to conceive. Maybe one day they will, but they don't because most people don't tell people that they're trying to conceive, right? It's still inherently private. So finding people who are in that space 
something we're not alone in doing. There's a lot of other companies out there who are helping people in their conception journey, and they can be doing this through other products like hormone fertility products or pregnancy tests and all sorts of other stuff. But yours isn't, it isn't like as obvious as it is for like coffee or mm-hmm. <laughs> vacations or, or yeah. other like consumer goods or things that you're purchasing. And then in addition to that, you also, as a medical device, have to play by different rules. You Mm. can't say certain things. You can't retarget in certain ways. So it is a little different. And then, uh, and on top of that, it's actually a little bit easier now, but originally when we got started, there were very obvious biases in the algorithms where we would get rejected for very benign ads that, Mm. you know, just because we had the word insemination in it. Mm. Insemination is one of those words that I guess the original programmers thought was pornography. So anytime you talk about insemination or the vagina or (laughs) sperm, a number of other things, you just get blocked. Yeah. So Mm. you have to go through like a lot of appeals and fighting or repositioning or rewording things. So targeting people, we really honestly built our company based on personal interactions with our customers and talking to them and interacting with them and responding to their needs and just doing what we could to make the product the best product we could for the end user. And that actually led us to have these really wonderful relationships where people actually started telling us they got pregnant and then they allowed us to share these stories online. And then we kept going with that. So leaning into the organic, having that real personal connection with our customers has been tremendous for us. I don't think we'd be here today if we didn't have that. Um, I also think that as we have created this market for home insemination in the United States, created the shelf space for it, we were the first in retail with that over-the-counter syringe kits like this. We're seeing others try to knock us off, which is wonderful in a way and scary at the same time, right? It's wonderful do you because think it's, all the sudden. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I, was gonna, I was just going to say, do you think it's helpful because with competition, it brings an elevation of education around the product at the same time, obviously, with competition layers of pricing and operations, marketing, et cetera, becomes more complicated and trickier. So how do you build that brand moat to stay ahead of the the competition? Yeah, definitely interesting. Part of it is honestly, I can't name names, but there are a number of companies that aren't even bothering to follow FDA, basic FDA regulations, which is a concern in this space. And educating the customer on what it means to be FDA regulated is part of it. People have to understand that there are basic things that need to be done, like lock code tracking and customer complaint tracking. And and that's for their safety. It's for monitoring the product and making sure that there's no patterns where people are getting injured or anything like that. So there's a reason we have FDA regulations and we have them in place to protect people and protect the end users. I think that over time, some of those that are not following by FDA regulations will be in trouble and they will go to the wayside. But at the same time, I think that's where you have to have these really good relationships with your customers because if you're not there for them, if you're not supporting them, if you're not providing them with the information they need, with the support that they need, there is no value in the overall sense of what you're doing beyond the proof of your product. So 
our product has been um, tested and has had a lot of stuff behind it. There's reasoning. It's designed the way it is. And there's reasoning why we have our slit opening, which is patented to provide for a, a gentler passage for the semen that you're working with, which the length is optimal for most women's vaginas. And the a lot of thought went into it, the roundedness of the syringe, the handles. And so there's thought that went behind it. And that also goes into when people actually use it and they actually hold it and they actually feel the push-pull on it, it is different than a normal syringe. So I think once people have had a Mosey baby experience, if they're trying, and we have seen this in the market, we've seen others come and go, quite frankly, and they try somebody else's, they notice it right away. Wow. <laughs> like you can hold them in your hand and you can feel, feel the difference when you're working with something with medical grade materials mm -hmm. that has been thoughtfully designed for the mm -hmm. use, it is different. So those are differentiating factors, but also continuing to build our brand in a way that is inclusive, supportive, and here for people is another element with it. Mm -hmm. There is so much with, to say too about design. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. Yeah, with but, science back, we have all of our articles re expert reviewed. Like we, we do a lot of this stuff that people don't realize how much thought goes in in review mm -hmm. goes into it. And I think that's another element that people need to look out for too, with any brand, mm -hmm. with any company, like yeah. they have a blog, is it, has it been reviewed by anybody? Is there an expert reviewer that is like not actually associated with the company reviewing mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. So it's trying it's to like, like navigate. Design is so important to think of anything from a beverage and like how you're drinking something out of a certain cap might be easier than a can. And then even down to workout gear, we can tell the difference in one pair of yoga leggings and the other yoga leggings, whether running or yoga Pilates, like that sweat wicking ability down to makeup. Look at the way a component is designed and like the formula on top of the packaging that makes a difference. So I truly believe that the design is just as important as the brand, as the research, as is the thought behind the product or service. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question. I don't know. No, definitely. Day, I think it's really research. fascinating too, because a lot of times people will come on here and they'll share an idea, whether they're the first or the second or the the 10th person in the market. But when the competition comes in and right now with supply chains being just advanced every single day, somebody, especially a huge conglomerate can make a product so quickly and say, oh, this is what XYZ company is doing. Let's make it and let's charge two thirds of the price. And let's make it really fast. And we see that across all different industries. But people go back to their brand and building that brand moat, how you can keep competition at bay. And I think that you said that so well, understanding not only the design, but your thought behind it, and then the care and empathy that you're bringing towards your consumers and clients. It makes such a difference in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely something I think for everybody when you are an entrepreneur that many people will feel, which you've hit on competition, that there's always, if you're doing something right, there's going to be competition. So it is a form of flattery that people are wanting to copy you. And also I welcome it in the sense that it does normalize what we've built. When we started this out, mm -hmm. it was so stigmatized. The comments that we got on Facebook are so different than the comments that we get now, six years later. And so that has already, we've already tremendously impacted the marketplace in ways that I could have never anticipated as someone who struggled to conceive that there, that this is becoming normalized. 
But also, again, I think there's just this massive lack of understanding or awareness because it's so new that people are not familiar with what, what intervaginal insemination is mm-hmm. and, and understanding how that works. And it falls in a wide range of the spectrum, talking to people who even earlier today, someone was like, oh, so do I put it in my uterus? Like there's lack of education on yeah, their own yeah. body. And then there's lack of education on on the process itself, what you do. Do you need to do this with a doctor? Can you do it at home? Mm-hmm. Just the transfer method. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot that I think actually does make it hard to enter. Regulation makes it hard to enter, right? Because there's a big moat there because you just, it's a lot you have to do to get into the market properly. And then outside of that, you you have to create a lot of educational material because so many people are still just sadly unfamiliar with human reproduction. Yeah. And, and their own us. body, like you were saying. Too. <laughs> What's that? And their own body. And just Yeah. Yes. Our society has not done a lot to educate people. And but I think yeah. that's what's really fascinating about what the rise of femtech right now is because you have people mm. like me who said, why is there nothing out here? Why are people not educating people on this? And all these femtech companies are not only creating products for people who have been neglected for years, they're mm-hmm. also educating people on their body in the process. So I think it, a lot of good will come from that in general. And the human population <laughs> will have a, hopefully the next generation already seems, Gen Z already seems to have a little bit better understanding and that they're open to talking about these this subject more than previous generations. So I think we're heading in the right direction. But yeah, there's That's still true. a learning curve for um, yeah. anybody who enters this marketplace to make sure that they're properly educating their own customers. And just speaking of femtech, and there's so many, I read a lot of newsletters, especially on Monday mornings, people are coming out either the funding or there's partnerships, people are working together brands are consolidating. They're bringing like two founders ideas together. And it's really cool to see the advance of these different brands and also people talking about subjects that weren't spoken about a few years ago, but also solving issues that have been around forever. We've just put them at bay. So have you been partnering with other companies or founders, or do you feel like there's an open communication between all the femtech leaders in terms of helping people and helping other brands succeed in the same space, whether they're in competition or not? I think there is. There there still is competition, though. When you're in a VC-backed world, it still is cutthroat, right? Like people need to get their edge and they need to keep moving forward and making progress. However, I do find a sense of camaraderie along, uh, among a lot of the entrepreneurs in the space because we're all facing a lot of the same problems. Like I mentioned, the algorithms, the bias algorithms, many of us have faced that. Many of us are facing the same thing with educating our customers. And then there's like bias in raising money. There's still very few, what, 98% of all VC money goes to men. Uh, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a female-oriented product space, it tends to be seen as niche, even though we make up, a, what, 50%, 51% mm-hmm. of the population. Right. And fertility actually affects both genders. So it's Mm -hmm. not just um, a female oriented problem, but it tends to be lumped into that world. Mm -hmm. So I think that we do all have a sense of camaraderie around a lot of the challenges that we face. Collaboration, we are actually talking to some companies right now 
to do some deeper level co co collaboration, if I get that word out. So more to come there. I think we have some really fun stuff that we're working on. And yeah, I think there's a lot more. We've done a few like marketing collaborations, mm -hmm. but ultimately looking at some deeper co collaborations and where we can go with that. It's really Amazing. exciting. Amazing. In terms of if you were looking back, maybe you're like late teens and you're thinking about what you would do with your career, which direction, do you think the 18 year old, you would be surprised if where you are today and either with Mosey Baby or starting your own business and helping so many people, do you think she would be shocked or is this something that she would expect to have happened down the road? I don't know if I've been asked that question before. And I don't know that I've really, really? thought about it, but honestly, as you're asking, I was thinking, and I would say, no, like I definitely um, had a bleeding heart. I volunteered for two years after college in a program that was based in the United States, but like a Teach for America kind of thing. I was always interested in being entrepreneurial in some regard, but never really could figure it out. And I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for my husband. He already had a company that we ended up working together on. So he had already been in business for himself for a number of years when I met him. So he already had that bent and I, got in there and was able to double his business in two, wow. I guess, yeah, in about 18 months. And seeing that was really, it benefited us financially. We mm -hmm. were getting out of debt. We were doing a lot of stuff together as a couple. So it was really motivating for us. And I think that also built a foundation for us to be able to have success with Mosey Baby as we founded it together, that we had already worked on a company together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so I really just, like it. It's just fun. It's fun to get in there and and then combining the ability to help people and support people through mm -hmm. sometimes a very traumatic time in their lives when you're mm -hmm. struggling and and being there for them is really one of my great passions. And no matter where their journey takes them to, if anybody's listening and they're struggling, I mm -hmm. want to help you no matter where you are. And if we're not right for you, we are going to tell you. We do not want you wasting your time with us. We want you to get the support that you need. So for me, it just feels really fantastic. To I feel it feels I feel honored and privileged to be able to do what we do. It's tiring. It's really hard. Yeah. No, I can't sit here and tell you I'm not tired all the time. Oh. But but it's I couldn't imagine doing anything else right now. Like it would be. This is where I feel like I'm supposed to be right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was destiny that you were supposed to end up in entrepreneurship, helping people and building a business. And it definitely is a, another hurdle than like leaving a, a corporate or more stable, secure job. But you're doing so much for other people, but also you're building yourself too, and understanding what skill sets you have, what do you want to delegate and just almost keeping that offense and defense going, which is so strong because you're able to say, like, build a new skill set every single day. And I'm sure there's new things that pop up, whether it's the type of marketing, since marketing probably changes every six weeks around here in terms of what's working, what's trending, how to talk to people, even down to what's trending audio is going to get you to 3 million people versus that might not work the next day. But you're learning that probably these new skill sets. And I think that's really powerful as an entrepreneur. So what would you say, stepping back, what is the best part and the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? If someone's coming to you and saying, Maureen, should I make this pivot? Should I start my own venture? What are the pros and the cons? And what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I would say 
first, um, you need to be able to take care of yourself and make sure you're taken care of. So we were fortunate in that we had the ability, it was stressful. I'm not going to lie. It was very stressful, but financially we had the ability to walk that wire. And I think that you mentally need to be able to walk that wire. So when I say take care of yourself, it's make sure you're taking care of yourself because it it's really, if you, you're taking a risk for your livelihood. And if you have a family, that's like a whole nother level of risk. And if, if you and your partner are doing it together, it's a whole nother level of risk because we didn't have somebody else's health insurance to rely on that kind of, yes, there's financial things that you need to take care of and there's logistical things. And then there's, you need to take care of you too. So making sure that you build healthy patterns for yourself in a very, what, what honestly is going to be a very challenging journey. You're going to be working a lot if things go well. So if things go well, then you always have to reach these plateaus and then grow and add or, or do something else to, to balance. But there's these moments where you're going to be the only one or your team is going to have bandwidth issues. So I didn't learn for a period of time how to build time for myself and take care of myself. So I'm saying to whoever's listening, schedule like breaks for yourself find these ways to do it because you will work yourself if you're ambitious and you're driven these are good things to be um you're probably going to work yourself ragged and that is something that i did not know how to do and i think as a woman we're not taught how to do that very well and so my husband was a little bit better at it like at taking those breaks and making sure he exercised or all that kind of stuff and i just I didn't. So that is something like now I actually try and schedule time on my calendar and hold it Mm -hmm. and protect it because it actually makes me better. And Mm -hmm. so it seems counterintuitive, but like carving out that time, probably if I had done that before, would have made me even more successful. (laughs) But But you have to build that relationship with yourself the same way you might build that relationship with your customer or retailer you're working with. And if you're not in a good place mentally, physically, whether it's making sure you go to the actual grocery store in person to buy the right produce, or it is going to that fitness class, or it is making sure you're in bed by 11 o'clock to get eight hours, it makes a difference in the long run. It might seem like a sacrifice, but it's anything but. So you're smart to schedule it in on your calendar. Trying to protect it is the next thing though. (laughs) But yeah, there's going to be nights where you do work really late and Honestly, I find that even though I got the project done the next day, I'm not as productive. Mm, so yeah. you, so that I think is there's this burnout acceptance with entrepreneurism. Like the culture mm-hmm. is like burnout culture yeah, where it like yeah. celebrates that maybe. Mm. In both in movies. Oh, I definitely, I was on a call with someone recently. We were talking about how Hollywood and when we meet Hollywood, it's everything from the movies to social media and they do glorify this burnout culture. Yes of people that are like, whether you're like the scientist and you're staying up late or you're Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur or you're fighting a legal case, just go. But they're an actor in a movie. They're not a human. And that person needs sleep. They need to eat healthy food. They need to get their heart rate up and moving. And they can't always be in this adrenaline rush. And yes, there Mm -hmm. are late nights and work is tough, but it's all about balance because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So I completely understand what you're talking about. And I think there needs to be like a better communication, maybe on social media, people understanding that burnout is real 
and it is a sliding scale and not to get to the extreme, but to understand your breaking point and where to stop and build boundaries. I agree. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess that's my advice is just protect some space for you because you're, it's also like learning exhaustion. You're like constantly learning and learning. Um, and so it's like mentally exhausting as much as you might be oh, like totally. working long hours. You're just using your whole brain. Mm-hmm. So. Like your attention fades, like your sponge is filled and you can't take up anymore and you need to release it and then go back. Like sponge. Yeah. yeah. But I do. I, but that would be the other flip side is if you love learning, like I love learning and not just like reading books, learning, but learning about setting up an online store or <laughs> setting up research study or setting up like a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. There's just endless amounts for you to learn. And that is addicting, I think, sometimes. And you get this ability to like take on new things, but you're not, you maybe you shouldn't, but there's this kind of in the beginning, you're doing it all. So you're a jack of all trades, but a master mm-hmm. of none. And you get to learn a little bit about everything, which I find to be so much fun. And so you probably want to be someone who likes to learn if you're going to mm-hmm. start a business. That's a good way of putting it. You don't want to do. You're going mm-hmm. to you're going to be learning things that you do not want to do and you know that and you're going to oh, find somebody yeah. else to do it eventually, but at least if you understand to- it, you have to understand everything from maybe going out and getting loans or raising money and accounting down to being creative and talking about marketing whether it's the visuals and the copy and then also the operations, not only just managing your team but managing your partners your vendors, if you're working with retailers and then client management, whether it's a business or a consumer, those are probably some of the biggest buckets, but your brain needs to move around the clock in so many different capacities, but it helps you learn to be able to switch gears faster than most people might normally be used to. Definitely. Yeah. So you got to learning, got to have drive. And you got to know when to delegate too. And when to delegate, understand it, but delegate eventually. Yeah. Although there are going to be times when you have no one to delegate it to. So that's like the. So what do you do in the situation where you're used to delegating a certain like task or division of the company to someone and either they go missing or it's too expensive or they're just not doing the job up to par. You just take yeah, it on. Yeah, you haven't grown big enough to justify hiring mm-hmm. for that area of the business. Like there are certain areas still where on the administrative side, I'm still like handling certain things because it's like we don't have a need for like that just yet. Or we might have somebody who's part partial, like fractional, yeah. but there's so you're still like doing a little bit of this, but you got somebody doing this part. So I, I dream of the day where I'm like, okay. You just keep growing and getting little bits of it off your plate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then one day you're the conductor and you're, how do I say, directing traffic instead of driving the car. Oh, there that you is, go. That is one yep. day. It's one day soon. One day. Maureen, as you wind down this podcast, what is next for you and Mosey Baby? So we have some big stuff coming soon, which we're super excited to to tell everyone about, but I can't tell everybody about it yet. So look out for some stuff for us in the fall. We're definitely expanding and we are super proud of being able to support people and want to continue to shout about that. And being the first on the market was, was really a big, I would like to say, really proud thing for us. 
that we were able to be here for people and to normalize this and lead the way. And we're going to continue leading that way. So look out for more stuff from us. Amazing. And so Maureen, where can people find you? Where can people find more about Mosey Baby? Sure. You can follow me on LinkedIn. You can find Mosey Baby on LinkedIn as well. Feel free to message me there if I can help you in any way. You can also email me at Maureen at MoseyBaby.com. And then you can find us on social media. We have pretty fun stuff on TikTok. We have lots of videos that go viral there. And then you can find us in CVS and at MoseyBaby.com. We've got a couple more retailers coming soon and we'll announce that obviously through our social channels and then newsletter as well, but all the regular places, email, social media, at MoseyBaby, we're there. Awesome. Thank you, Maureen. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing more about Mosey Baby and also about your entrepreneurship story and great advice. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having these conversations. Thank you. Have a good rest of your Monday. 